Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hi everyone, CJ here. Welcome back to another episode of Not the Farmer's Wife. Today I want to talk to you about urban homesteading slash farming, what it means, what it's about, who does it, and if, depending on what country you're in, who you could follow if you needed some more information. Uh, before we jump into it though, I'd like to let everybody know again that our Backyard Chicken Keeping course uh, launches on the 9th of April and course door will open on the 15th of April and I've got a few people signed up now which is quite exciting. Um, hopefully uh, in the lead up to it, I'm going to try and do a webinar um, discussing chicken breeds that are suitable for backyards. Um, so if you're not sure whether it's for you or whether you'd like to learn from me, I'd love to have you along for the webinar. Um, once I've got the finalised details for that, I'll let you know, uh, which will be hopefully by next Monday, hopefully, uh, depending on when I'm recording. Uh, but yeah, so it's only a week to go and the course opens. I'm very, very excited about it and hopefully you guys will be too and hopefully you'll come along for the ride and learn all about keeping your own little flock of chickens in your own backyard. Anyway, on with today's episode. So, urban homesteading or farming, and I think homesteading and farming are fairly interchangeable words that people use. Um, I always think of farming as being a larger scale, um, so several hundred acres of farm with maybe a hundred head of cattle, that type of thing. Whereas homesteading to me has always been more about uh, a smaller farmlet, um, you know, anything up to what we've got here, which is 120 acres, but realistically could be done in an urban environment, hence the urban homesteading. Um, but homesteading is, is more about trying to manage a family's um, incoming food and food produced, but also managing things like uh, fibre, um, uh, plant materials, soaps, um, managing the day-to-day -day living uh, necessities for a family. Um, so growing your own vegetables, raising your own chalks, eggs, meat birds, maybe having you know a milking goat like what we've got. We've got a couple of milking goats here. Uh, but we've also got angoras, and they get shorn twice a year, angoras. And um, I'm desperately trying to teach myself how to spin. My 13-year-old um, daughter is actually better at spinning than I am. The first time she tried it, she picked it up pretty reasonably. Uh, I don't know that she has much of an interest in doing it all the time. So I really need to learn to do it myself. Um, and learning how to card the wall and, and prepare it so that we can use it in um, yarn. So... Lots of people talk about homesteading as being that very self-sufficient, self-sustainable family group. Um, but there's lots of discussion online also about whether or not it could solve world hunger. And that that sometimes irritates me a bit hearing that. And I'm probably going to be a bit sweary there tonight. But um, 
I really get the shits when everybody carries on about world hunger. I, I think that if farmers uh, stayed further away from the monoculture type productions and went into a more biodiverse farming system, I don't really think there would ever be an issue with world hunger and not enough food and food shortages and things like that. Um, I won't get started on climate change because I get on my high horse about that. Uh, it's probably not what most people would think and I'm probably very controversial in that I don't actually believe that humans polluting the earth is causing climate change. I'll put that straight out there. Uh, whether that makes you then want to turn off and not listen to me, well, that's okay. Um, but climate change to me is more about, um, well, climate change it, to me is not happening because I watched the climate for the last 50 odd years and I can see cycles happening and I really can't see a drastic change and I've lived through the ice caps melting and the you know ozone layer getting a hole in it and all that kind of stuff. But I do see humans polluting the world and I do see humans demanding food at such a cheap price that monoculture farming is the only way a farmer can do it sustainably and, and earn a living for his family or her family in our case. Um, I think that the biodiversity side of farming and that's the sides of farming that you know tend towards regenerative agriculture and holistic management, they tend to uh, not produce food as cheaply or as on such a large scale as a monocultural farming system, but they do it in a way that is way better for the environment and it still produces a shit tin of food. So when I see questions online about, you know, homesteading, will it solve world hunger? I think, well, yeah, it will, but so would farming correctly on a larger scale. That would also solve world hunger. What we need to do is have people that are prepared to pay the prices that farming um, products will cost. So what produce is going to cost when it's done in a biodiverse system instead of on a monoculture system. When it's on done monoculture, they can make it cheap. You know, almond milk, oh my God, don't get me started on, seriously. Almonds, uh, an almond farm has to bring in bees to pollinate it because generally there's nothing else growing around it and without the bees, the almonds won't develop. Some people would argue with me on that, but honestly, it's anything with a monoculture system is just not set up to help the environment. It is set up to produce food at the cheapest possible price. Until people are prepared to pay the price that is required for a biodiverse farmer, farmers are not going to go to that model. So, urban homesteading, back on track after my little rant, means that a small household, and it can be done in an urban environment, so somebody in a house block in town, could technically produce chickens, meat, eggs. They could have a beehive in the backyard, so they're producing their own honey. They could grow their own vegetables. Uh, they could have everything that they need out of those elements coming from their backyard. But the best bit about homesteading is because people often have an oversupply of things, so, you know, I mean, any of you that are gardeners out there, if you can prove to me that you haven't had a surplus of zucchinis at some point in your life, I'd like to know how. 
uh, because every time I grow those suckers, I end up with about 20 kilos that I'm never going to use and I have to give away to friends and family. The good bit about that urban homesteading style of, of backyarding it means that you have excess stock. So when you have extra eggs, you can trade them with your next door neighbour who doesn't keep chickens. They might have fruit trees and you can go to them and say, oh, I've got a jar of honey and a carton of eggs. Any chance of getting a couple of kilos of apples that you can either dehydrate to save for later or you could freeze and chop up, cook and freeze so that you can just get out you know, pureed apple when you need it. I've frozen grated apple before um, to add to things like porridge and stuff like that. So you can do that swapsies kind of system with your next door neighbours. If everybody's involved, if everybody's doing the urban homesteading thing, then it means that everybody's going to have a little bit of oversupply on some things. Now, if you're smart and you go and talk to all your neighbours and you have a good relationship with your neighbours, there's no reason why you can't say, hey, I'm growing zucchinis. You're going to grow tomatoes this year? Because I really don't want to do tomatoes this year, but your tomatoes are always amazing. They crack in, grow the tomatoes, you crack in, grow the zucchinis, and come the end of summer, do a swapsies. And, and part of urban, urban homesteading is managing uh, the preservation of food for the months when you're not growing. So do a swapsies, can. Learn how to can and can some tomatoes, can some zucchinis, freeze or dehydrate things that you can't can. I'm, I'm a big fan at the moment of trying to learn how to can better than I have. And at the moment, my, my canning exploits have mostly been a result of oversupply of fruit and me making jam. But I would really like to get into the canning because the shelf stability of it. So we're on solar power here. We're running um, a fridge and a freezer. And both of those chew power quite significantly. Um, so the idea of being able to can things or dehydrate things that are shelf-stable and don't need to be frozen or refrigerated uh, would be awesome. Uh, and that is part of urban homesteading, is learning to preserve those foods so that when you have the uh, dearth months, the, the months where things aren't growing, you've still got a food supply. Uh, another question that gets asked a lot is, is urban homesteading legal? And yes, it is. It's a weird question to ask, and I don't know for my friends in the in the US whether there's different rules over there. But apart from a few different types of crops that you're not allowed to grow in Australia, uh, tobacco being one that comes to mind, cotton you have to be licensed to grow. I think if you're anywhere near the cotton growing areas in New South Wales, um, certainly uh, from a perspective of an urban environment if you were to keep 10 roosters in the backyard that started crowing at four o'clock in the morning I'd say your next door neighbours would probably have something to say about that um, it, it might take more than a, a baked chook dinner to to get them on side but apart from those little things that that the council have regulations about um, yeah, it's absolutely legal. Um, beekeeping is another one. You, you have to register that you have a hive in your backyard and you're only allowed to have so many hives for such a size of square footage. Uh, we're really lucky here at Mojo Homestead because we have seven, I think, at the moment. Isn't that terrible? I can't remember off the top of my head. Seven hives. And out of our seven hives, um, they're all registered with DPI. Uh, which is our local authority that looks after those things and at the moment for those that are interested in bees we're currently experiencing a varroa mite incursion into australia for the first time ever or 
not the first time. There's actually been a couple of little incursions in the past, but they've all happened up in northern Queensland and they've all been stomped on pretty quickly. This one unfortunately got away from us uh, and out of the port of Newcastle and it's currently spread down as far as Sydney, as far as I'm aware. I'm still in the blue zone where I am, uh, which means I'm not at any kind of risk, but um, for people up near Sydney and Newcastle, they're very much in the purple and red zones, so they are reporting daily and some people have had to destroy their hives, which is very sad. But we have to register that we have a hive and that allows us to keep the bio controls um, happening and it allows us to make sure that things like disease are monitored. So there are reasons why certain things have to be recorded and registered. But urban homesteading from the perspective of three hens in your backyard producing eggs and occasionally meat, um, an apple tree, a veggie garden, a beehive in the back corner, you absolutely can do it. There's no legalities to stopping you from doing that. I know in the States there are things called homeowner associations which have certain rules about what you can do depending on the suburb you're in um, and I'm not completely across the board with those. I know that they have the same fairly strong rules regarding roosters in urban environments uh, for the obvious reason even though I don't mind listening to how roosters crowing in the morning but I'm always up then anyway. Um, the other thing is can beginners do it? That's a question that gets asked a lot online and, and I think homesteading is a perfect beginner hobby um, because you're getting something out of it. You may not save money. I think there's a, a joke online somewhere about, you know, we're the only, gardeners are the only people that'll spend $6 to save 30 cents a kilo on tomatoes. Um, but you will get healthy, um, home-grown produce that you know exactly where it's come from. The... Um, the footprint of that food as far as how far it's had to travel to get to your kitchen um, it could literally be meters certainly that it, nobody would argue that that's a bad thing uh, but also too I think in most cases gardening um, chicken keeping um, even beekeeping is really not that hard I, I was terrified of doing it for years and I went and did my course and I honestly felt so comfortable around the bees. The girls are just wonderful. Yeah, they have their bad days, but for the most part, they're, they're pretty good girls. So any beginner could do it. My, my two children suit up and do the beekeeping. Uh, my two children help with the chicken keeping. Uh, they've helped with milking goats. They've um, been out there when we've been shearing. Uh, it's, yeah, it, they, it's definitely a beginner sport, homesteading. Uh, and, and it's something that you can just incrementally creep into. So you could start with chalks in a veggie garden and then you might say, oh, you know what? I might try my hand at making some soap or I uh, might try, look at beekeeping and see if there's a beekeepers club nearby that you could go and have just a couple of goes going out with a, a experienced beekeeper and learn about it. It's definitely something that as a beginner you can get into. Um, another question that I noticed online when I was doing a bit of research about it was whether or not you can do it for profit. And certainly that's what I'm aiming to do. That's my entire model here is eggs, chicken eggs for, for selling, uh, honey for selling. Um, the milking goats under the legislation, I can't sell raw milk for human consumption. I can sell it for cosmetic consumption. So if you um, use 
uh, goat's milk for making soaps or for making face creams or things like that. I can sell it to you for that. I can't sell it for consumption because it, there's testing that needs to be done in Australia in order for it to be uh, sold as raw milk and it's quite expensive. Um, but I think anybody that has more than a couple of acres and I'm going to guesstimate around the five acre mark I think would be sufficient. But there are other uh, homesteading um, models that you could use that really don't require a hell of a lot of space. Uh, microgreen growing is something that I've looked at, <coughs> both for, for growing it for us to consume, um, but also to sell because it, it's a model that takes um, very little time per day to run. Uh, it takes very little area space, so you don't need a huge amount of space. A lot of the people I see online doing it in urban environments are actually using a spare bedroom to grow them. Uh, but it's another way that you could get into it and you would definitely be able to do it for profit because it's very scalable. And I think that's what you have to look at with anything you do with the urban homesteading. If it's something that you want to do for profit, then definitely look at how scalable it is. Um, soap making is something that I started doing just because my son had eczema and I heard that using goat's milk and, and honey to make soap uh, is actually really beneficial for people with eczema. Once I made it, of course I gave some away to friends to try and a couple of people I know that have also have some, some pretty drastic skill, skin issues and allergies. And when I gave it to them, they were amazed. They were like, oh my God, this soap is is great. Can you make it again? And of course it comes down to time and <laughs> I've been fairly busy over the last couple of months. Um, but it's on. It's definitely on the list of things to do. Is I've got a whole bunch of frozen goat's milk because uh, you freeze it to stop it burning when you make the soap. And I'm going to start making batches every week over winter and store them on racks. And you really don't need a lot of space to do that. Uh, and then if you want to give it away, that's fine, give it away. But if, if it's something that you wanted to get into for profit, you absolutely could do it. You definitely, um, there is a market out there for handmade soaps, especially where people have skin allergies and they want to know what's in the soap. There's very much a market for that. Uh, so yes, I think, Definitely do it for profit. That's certainly what my goal is. Um, so the the next question that gets asked a, a lot online about urban homesteading is, where do I go to learn about this? So everybody wants to know if there's a book they can read. And there are a plethora of books out there. I My goal, my lovely goal at, the, at some point in the next couple of years, is to write a book myself about what we've done here on Mojo Homestead. Um, but <laughs> given how much is on my plate at the moment, <laughs> I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon, but it's definitely still, it's one of those, you know, my, my bucket list things to do eventually. Um, but certainly if you're interested in finding out more information and I'll post some links in the, um, in the show notes, um, holistic management is one of my all time favorites, but that is not a... Um, urban homesteading directly kind of book. Um, urban, uh, holistic management is Alan Savory and his wife Jodie Butterfield and he is a South African, um, he was a, a game park warden and he was a national parks manager and he certainly came under fire for some of his what were back then controversial decisions around uh, farming and using farm or using open land in South Africa. He is, um, <clears throat> I think, one of the, the fathers of 
uh, regenerative agriculture with his beliefs on um, using cattle and livestock um, to um, come into a paddock area, eat down all the grass in the way that they would traditionally eat the grass, drop manure, urine onto the, to the soil, stomp it all in, and then they move on in a herd fashion into another area. And that, that ground or soil that they were on is then rested until the herd come back around, as herds do, uh, very cyclical, come back around and go over that paddock area again. So he's, he's the, the granddaddy of that, and I would love to go to South Africa one day and meet him. Um, he runs um, classes and tours still over there um, one day, maybe. <laughs> uh, my next big hero on book writing, and his books are definitely more towards an urban homesteading and not that holistic kind of overview of managing, uh, is Joel Salatin. And we use Joel's um, ideas and methods here at Mojo Homestead a lot. Um, we have our meat birds in a uh, pulley-style cage that we drag across the ground and move it each day so that they're not sitting in their own waste. Um, and it's all connected to water and food sources that are attached to the cage, so they come along with it when we drag it. Um, we use his similar method of um, pasture-raised eggs where we move the chook house and an electric fence around the paddock um, behind, well at the moment, behind potty calves and a couple of goats and they break up the manure into the soil and at the same time they're eating the bugs coming out of the manure and they're eating grass despite people saying that chickens don't eat grass, they absolutely eat grass. They also eat wild field mice that run across the paddock when we move them. Um, so Joel's got some fantastic ideas, particularly around chicken keeping, um, that's where he started, but he also raised rabbits for meat or his son did, Daniel. Um, he also has um, vegetables that he grows um, in hoop houses and, and he has pigs that he uses and he also has cows. He's got the whole gambit. And my understanding, he's, he's only on about 100 acres where he is in Virginia in the US. So he has a series of books. I think I've bought almost the entire set, <laughs> um, including he has a great book on how to build most of the structures that he uses. So the Handy Helper got that one year for Christmas. Um, but he has a series of books and you can actually target it by what you want. So if you're only interested in chickens or only interested in pigs, you could absolutely just buy one of his books and target it in relation to that. He also has a book that I haven't read yet, but I have got it here. And he talks about everything he wants to do is illegal, <laughs> which given my current occupation is kind of funny, but I actually get where he's coming from. It's pretty fucked up. The government will stop you. I mean, the raw milk issue for me is a bugbear. I've drunk raw milk most of my life, but you can't sell it. You can't give it to people. If somebody gets sick, you're going to get sued. So yeah, it's... It's very frustrating. Anyway, so Joel Salatin, if you're in the US, or even if you're not in the US, I'm in Australia and I love his books. Um, one whose books I don't have yet, but I am very much looking at buying, is Richard Perkins, who's over in Sweden. Um, and he runs a, looks like from the aerial shot, it's only a small amount of acres, but he is very much along the Joel Salatin line of utilising chickens to clean up after you know, veggie crops have come out and, and he has hoop houses because obviously in Sweden he has to deal with the cold and snow. Um, I haven't read his books, like I say, but I do follow him on Instagram and he has some awesome stuff that he posts. 
uh, here in Australia, oh, actually I'll do the UK first. So in UK, and I haven't read a lot about these people either, but in UK, uh, I follow on Instagram, UK Homesteading. Uh, and they look like they've got some really good stuff on there too, but I haven't seen any books or anything like that. I'm not actually sure of anybody in the UK, so if anybody listening knows of somebody in the UK who's a really good homesteader, by all means, flick me a message, um, DM me, and I'll go and have a look because I love learning about the different ways that people are doing things. So here in Australia, the I always like to say the home of permaculture, but I'm sure that other people might disagree with that. Um, we have two that I follow in particular who've also written books and I've got one of their books and I'm going to say I've got Milkwood's book. Um, Milkwood and Good Life Permaculture are two that are here in Australia. Uh, Milkwood I believe is in New South Wales uh, down the south coast and um, Good Life Permaculture is down in Tassie in Tasmania and both of them have awesome stuff. Uh, Good Life Permaculture in particular, I love the lady, I think it's Hannah, I'm sure I've got that wrong, but she always has different coloured hair and she has milk and goats and she makes her own cheese and I just, I love it. I look and go, oh my God, that's where I want to be. That's I don't want to be going to work each day, I'd much rather be going and doing that. Um, so I'll post links to those in the show notes just so that you can go and have a look at any of those if they're in your country or you think that they have some particular style that might interest you but that's my take on urban homesteading versus farming on the large monoculture you know massive cattle station in Australia and some of our cattle stations here in Australia are fucking huge they literally you could drive all day and not get from one fence to the other so it's very different on those kind of scales compared to the urban homesteading that we talk about and and even on 120 acres I'm sure a lot of people would look at me and go oh you've got a huge farm it's not that big on the greater scheme of things on some of the farm sizes in Australia but everything that we do I have to be honest everything that we do here maybe apart from the angora goats and the potty calves um, and the horses take up a fair chunk of paddock as well but our milking goats could definitely survive on five to ten acres um, our chooks would definitely survive on an acre if we managed it correctly as far as moving them around on a regular basis um, none of it couldn't be done on a smaller scale and certainly everything can be scaled down to be done in a backyard so like I say just because we have 50 chooks here uh, that doesn't mean that you can't have three chooks in your backyard and be getting three eggs a day most days and having your garden looked after, having manure that's dropped in your garden. You don't even have to cart it over there. Thanks, girls. Back into your cage of a night. Yeah, it can be done. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, like I say, I'll post the links so that you can go and have a look and see which ones you like out of those people that I've mentioned. Um, and I will go and work my butt off this week. I'm actually shitting myself at this point in time because this is my first course that's running uh, starting next Sunday. I think I've got launch planned. Um, so 9th of April, uh, the, the course doors will open. Um, I keep joking with my kids and saying, if I get one person who wants to sign up and do our course, I'll be super, super stoked because that's one more person that's going to have chickens in their backyard. But hopefully there's a, a few off my list that are keen to do it and, and I can't wait to have them on board and teach them how to be good little chicken mamas or papas. 
um, yeah so anyway until next week I hope you all have a fantastic week and go out and look at your backyard and see what you could do to be urban homesteading in your backyard all right everyone see ya thanks so much for listening today I hope you've enjoyed our time together if you did I'd be so grateful if you left me a review I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favorite socials at either not the farmer's wife or mojo homestead and don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.